Theronathon. We are going on an epic medieval journey this week through the filmography of Charlize Theron. With me on that journey are Robin Hitchcock. Hello. And Regina Connolly. Hello. I'm Bob Shields and today we are reviewing Huntsman Winter's War. The half prequel, not even half, like one quarter prequel, two thirds sequel one part narration uh <laughs> sequel thing follow-up to snow white winter's war do we could just refer to it as prequel sequel prequel, prequel sequel. sequel for short a barely it's not even anything to do with uh, snow white but it is a sequel that has the same characters in it and we are recording this back to back with previous episode so bear in mind there may be some things we a miss out or b repeat so yeah what do we think, guys? Do we have a one-sound review for this one? Mine is... Ah. <laughs> mine is... Uh, oh, I am. And mine is, I think, almost identical to my previous one, but even less energetic. Just uh, Because in my notes for this, I describe this as the exhaust fumes of Hollywood, which is that... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is a movie that has an idea behind it. It's just, this movie exists not to tell a story, but just to make sure everyone gets paid. Oh, I think this movie has an idea. And that idea is, let's put Charlize in that role again and put her in gold this time. Right. And yeah. my response, unlike Bob's, is, yes, please. Well, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad reason to make a movie. Because, like, everyone, like the first one, everyone does great work. Mm-hmm. Like... It's very visually arresting. It looks the creature design, everything is really good. People do very well, but it's just I need more than that to spend two hours on a movie. All right, I'm going to try to do the summary on this one real quick. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we begin with a credit summary of the first movie in the reflection of the magic mirror that makes the first movie look worse than it actually is. Yes. And An then, impressive feat for them to have accomplished that. Correct. Yep. And then we find out that all along, Charlize Theron's Queen Ravenna had a sister, <laughs> Freya. She didn't appear in the flashbacks in the original movie. Previously unmentioned. But believe us, she was there. We find out that Freya did not have the magic touch that the other women in their family had until... The baby who she had out of wedlock with an engaged man was murdered by the father. By being set on fire. Yes. The the baby is burned and she immediately becomes an ice queen. Yep. Okay. She full on Elsa's out. Yep. And goes to the north like Elsa (laughs) and makes an ice palace like Elsa. But unlike Elsa, she enlists a bunch of child soldiers. Yeah. Including Chris Hemsworth's huntsman, who's named Eric, apparently. Yep. And the huntsman is not his job. It's the band of child elite soldiers. Right. Yeah. The huntsmen are now the Jedi. Right. When you said... You will do this for me, Huntsman! It was like saying, you will do this for me, 
Jedi or infantry right. or <laughs> Huntsman is Green Beret. a a core of child soldiers. Yes. And they eventually grow up into Hemsworths. Yeah, this is um, the second reveal that is never mentioned in the previous movie. Right. But it is the way that it explained, I love this line, is since she couldn't raise children, she decided to raise an army. And they're like, that's enough explanation. That's a logical A to B. <laughs> By narrator Liam Neeson. I know. Great narration job. Yes. He's like, I'll give you my voice, not my face. <laughs> I will not appear. <laughs> they must have given him some money, oh, yeah. and he must have had some kind of gambling debt. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know your life, Liam Neeson. You're a great actor. I'm so sorry about your wife. Anyway, okay, so we also, we had heard in the first movie, I think we glossed over this in our podcast because it's not interesting, but Chris Hemsworth's character had a dead wife. Oh, yeah. So we meet his dead wife, who was another child soldier, another huntsman, so to speak, mm-hmm. Sarah. So throughout the movie... They will say Eric and Sarah and make me think of local Pittsburgh improviser, Erica Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I want Erica to be in this movie so bad. Like as a background character just being like, I'm doing something hilarious. I just kept writing notes where I was like, Eric and Sarah. Erica Sarah, I feel happy now. (laughs) Should we cast Erica in this movie? Yes, we should. We'll do that. Okay, so anyway, Jessica Chastain plays Sarah. So we talked a little bit of shit about Chris Hemsworth's allegedly Scottish accent. So in this one, it's even worse. Yep. But he does a lot of what I do when I attempt accents, which is just try it for a while and then give up and go back to Hemsworth's voice. Jessica Chastain does the opposite. She's a serious actress. Mm-hmm. She commits to her terrible accent. She is even worse than he is. She is Nicolas Cage and Con Air level painfully imitating an accent that she has no right to do. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, it's worse than the Lucky Charms guy. She like, sounds like Scrooge McDuck to me. Kind of. I mean, I, I, I can't really but compare has- it, but I'm like... I find people attempting Scottish accents grating at the best of time, because I don't know if our listeners can tell, I myself have a Scottish accent, which is fading by the day because I live in America. (laughs) Um, But it's it's, like I was physically cringing hearing them have extended conversations in accents that neither of them can do. And maybe I would have tolerated it like a little bit better if what they were saying wasn't the cheesiest, pulpiest, crappiest dialogue about their heart and love. And I was just like, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. One of the things I hate is when people who obviously are not Scottish try and shoehorn in Scottish phrases. At one point she calls him a daft boy. Uh, <laughs> she says, "Canny, I canny do that." Yeah, but like, the, like people what does do that, that mean? Canny is can't. Cannot. Okay, Scottish yeah. people. Yep, I don't know why. <laughs> like Canny and Dinny and all that because they're all like. Yeah. She sounds to me like the speech bubbles above Gambit's head, where it's just like, <laughs> "No, that's not. Just stop. Yeah. We're not believing that he's actually Cajun in a way that is helpful for the storyline." And like, you know, Gambit, I love you, whatever, but like. I can't. And is she calling Chris Hemsworth? Sure. Yes, she is. <laughs> so one thing to note is that Freya, played by Emily Blunt, yep. Charlize's sister, mm-hmm. previously unheard of, yeah. now the Ice Queen, has told her child soldier army that the one law in her kingdom is not to love. Yes. Okay. I, I love a simple law system. <laughs> Their torts must be so amazing. 
Stop having opinions from the kitchen. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> You're not at the table. <laughs> Their court proceedings must be so fast. You'd be like, did you steal this rice? Well, yeah. Well, don't have anything on the books about it. On your day. So Eric and Sarah fall in love. And Rhea says to, there's one black child in the child army, which is noticeable because there were definitely no black people in the previous movie. Yeah, yeah. And there's just one. Yeah, he's a Lando Calrissian of yes, this movie. Yeah. Just one. And it's. Probably because they do this thing where Freya grabs his face when he's a child and leaves ice oh, marks yeah. that persist into adulthood. Yes, and they're yes. like, well, we need that contrast. Yeah, the frost scars need to show up. Right. Yeah. So, fuck diversity. Let's just get the appearance right. <laughs> right. Anyway, Tull is that character's name. She says, Tull becomes like kind of her right-hand man. Yeah. She says, who are they? And he's like, who are you talking about? She says, the best ones. <laughs> Erica Sarah. Yep. So, anyway, they fall in love, mm-hmm. get married in a very sitcom way of yep. Sarah giving Eric her necklace. Yep. Of course, Freya immediately finds out. She has a surveillance owl. Yes. She wears virtual reality goggles for, and she can see through this ceramic owl. She wears, okay, if you had to go to your friend's masquerade party, not even your friend, like maybe your coworker or your partner's friend, like a party you really don't want to go to with a masquerade theme, and you stop at a party supply store on the way there, and you're like, this mask will do. Yes. That is Freya's surveillance She was like, does anyone here have a mask made out of toenails? Oh yeah, that one, that will do. Right. Yeah. It's terrible, but she knows, she knows that Erica Sarah gets married. Mm -hmm. It's like, basically, you can go into the wilderness and love each other if you can fight to the death seven other huntsmen apiece. And they do. They do. They don't, I guess, necessarily kill them, but they win their individual fights. And she's like, not good enough, creates an ice wall between them. And then from Hemsworth's perspective, we see Jessica Chastain killed by Tull. And he goes on to live his sad life, experience the events of the other movie. And then it says, seven years later in Snow White's kingdom. Yep. He leaves a flower on a stack of rocks for his, quote, love, Snow White. Yep. Runs into Boring William from the first movie, who yep. he calls Your Highness. Which he's the prince. Maybe though. means that Snow White has married him? I think so, yeah. Which, that's weird to happen off screen. <laughs> I mean, this movie has nothing to do with Snow White. The only time you ever see her is sobbing in front of the mirror. And it never has any dialogue, never has any light. Because no they on the actively... Refused to put Kristen Stewart in this movie, partially for PR reasons. Well, I also think they were like, oh, what was the worst part about the last movie? Let's solve that problem by just having her sob in a corner quietly. And I was 100% fine with that. Uh, I don't think she was the worst part of the last movie. No. Yeah. She was. Um, What about William? (laughs) William wasn't in it enough to actively... But they're like, we gotta bring him back. He has like five lines. I'm fine with it. He, He was... Filler. He was okay. like he didn't bother me, but I think I actually thought that was a really neat way to just be like, uh, yeah, she's the queen. She's gonna marry the lord. I don't care what what your love triangle says. Like it's still a medieval society. 
She was going to marry William I just wish they had dealt with a little bit more because they had sold the romance between her and Chris Hemsworth. Did they sell it? Or did she make weird, are you my dad at a concert, eyes at him, and that was it? I guess it bothered me watching these two movies so close in succession that the end of the last one is I'm not satisfied at my own coronation until I make eye contact with you. And then in this one, basically their entire romance is meaningless. But I also think it's it's dealt with in that, like, he has left. Like, he doesn't stay at court and they have to, like, he's in hiding from Snow White. Also, I think the rose he left at the Cairn was not for Snow White. It's for his dead wife because the movie is about his dead wife. Oh. Yeah, that is definitely a memorial to his wife who doesn't have a gravesite, so he's just building a cairn and is remembering her. I thought they were leaving each other rocks. Oh, you thought that was for Snow White? I thought that he and Snow White were building a rock pile, and then that was his latest gift. I seriously thought no, that, guys. That, that's definitely for his wife. Oh, that's that makes me feel a... significantly better about many of the events in this movie. <laughs> anyway, William shows up, and he's like, Eric, the magic mirror is making Snow White sick. So we're sending yeah. it to Sanctuary, which is the fairy kingdom from the first movie. But the people who we sent it with have gone missing. Yes. Go get it. And okay. Eric is like semi-reluctant for, I guess, characterization reasons. No one says you will do this for me, Huntsman, but he still does it. Yep. And they find that the soldiers who had taken the mirror all killed each other and the mirror yeah. is gone. Blah, blah, blah. He runs into Nick Frost and a new dwarf who are like, hello, we're the comic relief. Yep. And, or actually, I guess William gives him them. Yeah, they were with William at yeah. the time. William um, is like, please take along these two dwarfs as your comic relief. Yep. They had seven dwarfs in the previous movie. Only one of them shows up, and then there's one extra one. Why they didn't just use one of the ones from the previous movie? Don't know. Couldn't get any Couldn't of them. Couldn't get them. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't too, want to repeat Too good that. of a cast. Yeah. If only Bob Hoskins had still been alive. Right. (laughs) They go along, and then, guess what? His wife, Jessica Chastain, Sarah, never died. Saves him from a bar fight. On her side of the mirror, she saw him just walk away, cowardly. That's her worst nightmare, is him being a coward. His worst nightmare is her being murdered. I, I don't know how to feel about that, really. So it makes kind of sense. Like, her reason for for banning love in her kingdom is, like, to prevent betrayal. That she shows Jessica Chastain, oh, he's betraying you, he's walking away, you're better off without him kind of thing. Yeah. That makes sense for that motivation. It doesn't make any sense that she would show Chris Hemsworth her dying, because presumably in her plan, she's just going to kill Chris Hemsworth. She thinks Chris Hemsworth is dead. Right, she, she does, does that to Chastain... To, I think, further weaponize her. I think she's like, this so, is the the fire that I'll quench you in, or mm, whatever. Like, like, totally. But why does she show Chris Hemsworth Jessica Chastain getting killed? He's about to be killed in real life, according I think to she her. Wants, I think she wants to torture him before he dies. But, like, he doesn't need to know anything. He doesn't need to think anything. He's but she's an killed. evil queen, That's so she's going to have maximum pain. Let's be real. The reason that she shows him that is because in the first movie, he has a dead wife. Right. But that also, that doesn't match the story of how she died in the first movie. Correct. No. It's, uh, so, okay. Jessica Chastain saves him from a bar fight, and now Eric and Sarah are reunited, and they go forward on their quest to get the magic mirror. But they, she's real grumpy with him. Oh, Yeah. Because she's, she says to him, like, you are, how quickly does she say? Immediately. Like, yeah, you yeah. abandoned me. And he's like, that's not what happened. She's like, I don't care. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to wait at least another half an hour until I come around to the very obvious answer that an evil ice queen maybe lied to me. Right. I, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold out for like a solid yeah. 
half of the movie. They meet up with two female dwarves for extra comic relief, who, let's be real, actually do provide some comic relief. Yes. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy with their involvement. And then fight some apes made out of flammable paint. Goblins, yeah, they have tar for blood. Yeah, so, and, and they Goblins, look like primates. that also appear kind to of. work the same way that T-Rexes do, that if you don't move, they're not going to attack you unless you touch their magic ruby like you're in Aladdin, and then they will attack you. That whole sequence where he's like, I'm going to sniff everybody, but not murder you until I think you touched my gold. That was weird. It's yeah. very weird. But they recover the mirror. They do. The mirror, by the way, has the voice of Charlize Theron and whispers, like, kill them all. Oh, and all the goblins killed each other. Right. And so the previous party had killed each other. The goblins are killing each other. The mirror makes people go crazy and kill each other. It's a corrupting influence, just like the One Ring in Lord of the Rings. Correct. And it also has weird elvish runes around the edge. And whispers ominously. In Charlie Theron's voice. And is a CGI gold thing. Yes. (laughs) So many connections. So the Charlie Theron's voice through the mirror tells Chris Hemsworth to kill Jessica Chastain. He does not, but he does say... Have you been true to me? And I'm like, buddy, you have been... Snow White is your side piece. (laughs) You kissed her corpse, man. You transgressed two lines with that move. And in my brain, he's leaving her flowers on their rock pile. So I'm (laughs) like, you were in love with her 20 minutes ago. So I was very upset. But anyway, turns out Jay Chass has not. Because she's been working for the Ice Queen all along. She was not in a prison the whole time. She has been her hardened bitch right and so the ice queen gets the mirror they take it back to the ice palace and uh jessica Ch- she tells jessica chastain to kill chris hemsworth but she shoots him in the marriage necklace yep and so he survives oh my god can that be an expression between couples <laughs> if you don't do this i'm gonna shoot you in the marriage necklace <laughs> For like, I'm mad at you, but I still don't want you to die. I don't know when you could use it, but if you guys have any ideas for how we can make that popular parlance, please let us know. (laughs) Otherwise, I will shoot you in the marriage necklace. (laughs) And the Ice Queen revives Queen Ravenna through the mirror by saying, mirror, mirror on the wall, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she reads the runes around the Right. Which the runes actually say something else about like aging and nonsense. Right. So she reads the runes and then says, mirror, mirror on the wall, and then... The mirror melts again, and Queen Ravenna comes back, Yep. and finally we're like, oh, this movie has a reason to exist. Charlize is back in right. the sequel part. She was in the prequel, and now she's in the sequel. So, uh, Queen Ravenna is back. She chews some scenery. We're like, oh, Charlize, where were you this whole movie? There's a big fight. Charlize makes oil tentacles to kill a bunch yep. of the she huntsmen. She becomes a, a scorpion. So, anyway, the huntsmen unite to back Erica Sarah. Okay, because they're supposed to execute Erica Sarah and they're like, we won't. We're a family. Freya, the ice queen, is like, my one rule was not to love and you're all loving each other. What have I done? But also she's like, but I love my army children. Right. So guess what, guys? Moral of the story is love is inevitable between human beings. They say it like at least 10 times in case you were curious what the general thrust of the movie was. (laughs) Yeah, love conquers all. Does love conquer all? Love conquers all. That's the whole movie. Right. (laughs) And we find out what we all knew from the beginning, if you paid attention to the fact that all of the baby burning happened off screen, 
that Ravenna was culpable for the yes. baby being burned. So I want to say something about that because I thought they were leading up to that and I was going to get I was going to get like really pissed that they were going to make Ravenna kill the baby because I was like I just wanted to be the husband because I feel like the movie does have sort of like a thin semblance of being like patriarchy man or like dudes do some fucked up shit and I was just kind of like I maybe just want her motivation to actually be that something just straight up terrible happened to her then they would have showed that. But but here's the thing but I thought they found a way to justify making it Ravenna in a way that I believed. And the reason that Ravenna does it, I think at first the movie makes you think that the reason Ravenna kills the baby is so that her sister will have access to her latent magic. And I was like, that's some bullshit. Like, I don't want her to just be like, I'm going to make her, uh, I'm going to do this horrible thing so that she can have power. Like, I was like, I don't necessarily think that's interesting dramaturgically. But the reason that she actually does it is the mirror tells her that the baby that her sister just had will one day be more beautiful than her. And the, and Ravenna is like, don't. Like, why Why are you making me do this? And the mirror's like, I'm not making you do anything. You've already made up your mind. That was a cool line. That So yeah. that section, I was like, that is actually a, a believable reason for her to do it. It gave her sort of like a, I don't know, Greek tragedy level of like, well, like she's she's got to be the evil person that she is. And even though there is a palpable love between her and her sister throughout, she doesn't directly kill the baby. She makes the... Father, right. kill the baby. Technically, the father kills the baby, but he does it under her evil... Kill them, kill them, kill them, whisper. Right. As soon as that scene happened, I'm like, this would be happening on screen if it weren't Ravenna. So right. that was a that was an anti-reveal to me. Yeah. And I was not super interested in it. Emily Blunt, however, is very interested in yes. it. And it's like, time to kill my sister. Yep. But fails pretty spectacularly at it. Yeah. She's like, the best way I can kill you is to hug you with my ice hands. And no Charlize, love. Right. And Charlize is like, I can shoot oil skewers. I'm just going to do it. And she yep. does. Unsurprisingly to anyone who's seen Terminator 2, the way that Charlize is destroyed is by freezing the magic mirror and then shattering it. And then Charlize becomes a gold statue and is shattered. She is gone. Erica Sarah can live in peace. The Ice Queen is dead. No one so... says that to La Vista, baby. I know. And they live on to have Liam Neeson narrate another day. The end. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am sitting firmly in the Robin Prometheus chair, and I'm like, this movie, I liked it. It was fun. I would watch again. <laughs> And I say that with, like, full knowledge of, like, is dumb. It's, like, it's super dumb. But I liked this movie more than Snow White because at no point was I, like, actively bored by it. Okay. And Jessica Chastain's accent is atrocious, but they upgraded by having Emily Blunt in the movie and mm-hmm. to have Charlize Theron have someone else in a scene who is basically, like, the Ice Queen has the same role that Ravenna has, where she's like, I'm in a ridiculous getup, I have crazy things to say, and I'm going to give it 110% of believability. And I found Emily Blunt deeply delightful in this. Okay. I don't think she was Charlie's level, but I think that was intentional. She was the kid's sister, not the, uh, you know, queen evil of all time. And also, this is a weird reason to give the movie like a thousand points. It opens with Ravenna playing chess with a king that she's about to kill. And then it has Ravenna playing chess with her sister, and they talk about pawns and strategy. 
And at no point at the end of the movie did they use chess as a metaphor again. And I was like, what other movie has, like, leaned away from that cheap metaphor? They use it pretty heavily, though, in that first scene. Yeah, but... She's like, the queen takes the king. They do a lowly pawn. And at some point, there's, like, an ice chessboard, And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to talk about queens and pawns and rooks and la, la, la. And they don't. So, like, five points to you, Winter's War. Uh, one thing this movie definitely has over Snow White and the Huntsman is it is half an hour shorter. <laughs> yeah, so many points for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have any. I've I've really really struggled to come up with an opinion or write any notes to criticize this because of like it's just so bland. It's a totally okay movie. Right, yeah, it's just, this is just the Hollywood engine idling, and this is the, the waste product of that coming out. Like, everyone got paid, everyone did a great job. Moving on, like, this is not influencing anything or having any effect on anything at all. It's the, this is the tail end of a hundred other influences with Charlize Theron blooming as a rose at the end. I think that if they brought Charlize Theron back, like, 20 minutes earlier... I, I would oh, same. I would love this movie. I'm yeah. like, I delighted in it. I thought it was stupid. It was fun. Like, I don't think it's the best movie ever, but like, I did like it a lot more than that. It, the only thing it suffers from is that, oh, that really bad accent. And uh, they use Charlize heavily in the beginning and right at the end and they could have had more of her. The middle part really suffers. And because I didn't know that Charlize was coming back in the end, I think that I failed to be as invested in the middle part as I could mm. have. I knew she was coming back because the iconic picture from this is her with the gold leaf on her like eyebrows to brow line. Uh, and yes. that hadn't happened yet. Her outfits in this, both of them, they're so great. Like they're so fun. And I love the ice princess wears, or the ice queen, excuse me, wears like clinky, chain maily, ridiculous, like. Yeah, again, like the effects and everything are all really good. Mm-hmm. Like, A note they- about this is that the director is the effects supervisor of the original movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Cedric Nicholas Troyan. Yeah. I think that that was a good call by yeah, the producers. Yeah. They were like, what's the best thing other than Charlize about the previous movie? It's the effects. So yep. whoever was in charge of the effects, be in charge of this movie. Yep. And again, the effects are really good. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't think, th- I think it had a lower budget. I think that there wasn't anything quite as uniquely stunning as the mirror was in the first movie but because they had to build off of that right yeah so the thing i liked about the first movie is how they're just like "Eh, we're not going to talk about what the mirror does or how it works and this movie at first i was like oh god they're going to ruin that for me and we essentially learned that when Charlie's died, she didn't really die. She just left her body, but her evilness went into the mirror and that Snow White was like getting sick as a result of it. So she was still trying to kill Snow White. Why, if you're Snow White and you kill the, you kill Charlie's and take over the kingdom, why do you keep that mirror around? Well, because yeah. you What's don't want, about? I think you don't want your enemies to have it. Okay, put it somewhere. Like, She's trying to put it in sanctuary. Also, but they so show her, like, they show her in her, like, you know, chambers with the mirror still hanging. She can't why? stop. Well, so here's the thing. In the, in the first movie, after she kills Ravenna, she looks in it and her face is in yeah. the very center. So I think that the idea is that, like, the mirror right at that moment, like, snares her in some ways. One and ring style. Yeah. William exactly. says that she can't stop looking at it Ugh. and that it's stalking to her. So, I also, you know, think that they were setting up, like, so she was pure of heart, but she's killed some people. She's the most beautiful in the land, and she has all this power, corruption, yada, yada, yada. I just, okay, so I know that it's for outside reasons, but it also, something that really was hard for me with this movie is Snow White's there, but we can't see her, just her back and someone in a wig, like... (laughs) And then I guess it's more awkward for me because 
It's not that Kristen Stewart refused to do the movie. They were like, we're mad at you for having had an affair with the first movie's director and Wait, giving what? us bad press. And so you're not in the second movie. I did not know that. That's why. <laughs> I thought they were just like, well, you were Yonsville, so let's move on and upgrade no. you to more A-list. That's definitely part of it, okay? <laughs> but uh, the bigger part, like, they could have thrown her some money to do one day of filming. Yeah. And... They were like, no, we're mad at you. You're banned from the movie, you harlot. Even though it's a different director than the one that she's... There's a reason it's a different director. Yeah. So, like, it it just feels icky to me. And then, again, I guess Wait. I was misinterpreting things, but I really... The whole movie, when he is falling back in love with his would-be dead wife, I'm like, you have a side piece! When are you going to tell your wife about this? See, I don't, I don't believe that he ever did have, I think that he, cause in his speech to Snow White in the first movie, he's basically like, you remind me of my dead wife. Oh my God, my dead wife, my dead wife. Uh, I, I guess. just completely interpreted that differently. I thought he was, had moved on, was in love with Snow White, and then finds out his dead wife isn't dead, and then forgets Snow White, which, like, fine, okay, but <laughs> maybe Snow White, tell was- your dead wife, oh, in the meantime, I moved on and I fell in love with the queen. <laughs> It just, yeah, I guess I was yeah. misinterpreting things, but that bothered me the entire time. It didn't bother me at all. I didn't interpret him as, I was like, he is like remaining aloof, is what I thought was happening in the first movie, which is why I was confused when he like gave her her corpse a kiss. I thought he was like, I felt like his feelings for Snow White were that of the uh, the romantic knight, where he was basically like, I swear fealty to you and adore you, but it was like an asexual, I didn't think that he I, wanted to bone her. Okay, I... So, when I saw the first movie, and when we go back to your old Facebook post, you'll note that my comment there was... Love triangle. Love triangle. Like, I really thought the love triangle in the first movie was really forced. Yeah. I thought that there's a reason that it's called Snow White and the Huntsman, and not Snow White, and it was because they were trying to make his character more important. But I really thought it was love story. I don't think I'm the only person who thought (laughs) that. Like, I really don't. Like, I guess we'll have to do some research. But But I also thought that, like, time had passed after the movie. And I was sort of like, he may have fallen in love with her, but then she became a queen. And, like, there are lots of... I don't know, I feel like there are lots of stories where it's like, couldn't a queen have, can't marry a commoner. Couldn't they have and that's dealt he, with that a little bit? Like, why is William your highness? Can't we know something? And all of this could have been made possible if they could have just hired Kristen Stewart to do a few scenes. Yeah. I don't know, bothered me throughout the entire thing. Definitely took away a lot of my appreciation of it. But yeah, I mean, like, like I said, this, is, this movie is not here to tell a story. This movie is here to... Make sure everyone gets paid, and that's it. It doesn't have an idea behind it. It doesn't want to continue on what they've already laid out. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, no. I'm not there with you. <laughs> okay. So did you like Sarah? I found Eric and Sarah's plot point to be the most boring, and I don't know if it was just because Jessica Chastain's accent. I was like, well, I can't get invested in you as a character because right. you distract me constantly. And I found the, like, them falling in love or not falling in love. I was like, I don't, know, I don't care. Get back to Freya. Get back. Like, I was just yeah. like, I just want to watch Emily Blunt. Like, I thought that was interesting. I thought that she was delightful. I was like, I just want to watch her and Ravenna. I just want to know about the Evil Queen family. Right. Let's yeah. do that. I, I also agree. love, see, as much as, like, you're annoyed by like Snow White not being there like a thing that I found refreshing about this movie was just being like we're breaking ties who cares and like they never mentioned the brother and I was like cool great because I don't think that the first movie was such a classic work that they have to be beholden to what they've established in a way that I'm kind of like 
it's another thing. Maybe if I had watched this four years later, they came out four years apart. Yeah. I would have felt a little differently, but because I watched them a week apart, I was like, what the hell, guys? Yeah. Like, did you forget about this other movie this is allegedly a prequel sequel to? Right, yeah. It's like they, the pe- people who wrote this one didn't watch the original one. Right. Yeah. I'm fine with that. The original one, not that great. But I also, I do, I wish that this movie would spawn more prequel sequels because I think that's a fun format yeah. that we don't play enough with. There, There is something <laughs> to that. I also, Emily Blunt as the Ice Queen, I was nowhere near as taken with her as I was. Obviously, I don't like her as much as I like Charlize in the first right. one. But well, like, yeah. not even half as much and not as much I really like Emily Blunt as an actress I think I expected to like her more in this role than I did yeah I mean I, she was fine like she I, wasn't bad she wasn't bad I think she like like, like we said before like the role wasn't exactly as uh, as meaty as it should have been but like and you know it, she's fine I think she's perfectly charming um, I, I she also conveyed for me the kind of she wants she's trying to be bad but she's secretly good Right. Kind of element to it. She did that very well, I think. Yeah, I I feel about Jessica Chastain the way that you guys seem to feel about Emily Blunt. I was mm. like, she was fine. And I also feel that way about Jessica Chastain. And I th- <laughs> and I think that's disappointing, as my nephew would say. Disappointing. <laughs> because, like, that is a role that is, like, an ideal teenage Regina, like, thing to like. Where it's like, oh, oh she's like a badass lady who can kill everybody and is the best archer. Like, she should be delightful and interesting, mm. but she's no Katniss Everdeen. You know, like, she's just... Very bland. Uh, and also, I did want to go back to their wedding for a minute. Their wedding. Oh my god. <laughs> Such as so it wait, is. In a hot I just, spring. I just need, for people who haven't seen this movie, and many of you probably won't, because, you I know. I shouldn't. Why Don't. would you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, treat yourself sometime when you're homesick. But they're in a hot tub, and she takes off her necklace. It's not a hot tub. It's a hot spring. Whatever. <laughs> they're in some goddamn water in a cave. And they don't notice a giant glowing ice owl being like, the fuck are you doing down there? (laughs) And she takes her necklace off and she puts it around his neck. And Chris Hemsworth looks at her and goes, what are you doing? And I was like, that's how we feel like throughout the whole movie. (laughs) And her response is, I'm marrying you, you idiot. And it's like, if someone actually said that she calls him daft. Yeah. Maybe I I tried to repress that part. But can you imagine (laughs) If, like, the genders had been reversed. If somebody puts a necklace on you, it's like, obviously we're getting married. Yeah, if some dude was like, you're fucking my property now. <laughs> like, people would have been very cranky. But also, like, it was just so dumb. Like, it was, yeah. that scene was so dumb that I yeah. just kept laughing and delighting in it. And I love, I also love when she was the cart woman in the very beginning, or the cart child. You know, they got stolen from the village, and you saw her, like, take a necklace and put it in her shirt. And I was like, well, that's going to be a plot point later. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I just think it's fun to be like, yeah, I know what you're doing and it's stupid. So, Bob, I thought of you when I was watching this because your whole thing about, like, like the Hollywood robot making movies. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so the first movie of, of this series made some money. Yep. They know that these uh, live-action young adult fairy tale things are making some money. Yep. Frozen had just happened. Exactly. So they were like, Ice Queen, got it. Yep. And Sisters, then, one's an Ice Queen. Right. And then they were like, uh, we need another girl, uh, Merida from Brave, got yep. it. Like, and then they make this movie. Didn't that drive you nuts? Yes. Okay. That's why I, this is like, that's why I keep describing it as like, this is the waste product of like everything coming together and the engine just idling. And then pff, this movie just comes out. Right. Uh, like everybody, like 
it's only there because they had nothing better to do. Yeah. They couldn't come up with an actual idea. They're like, let's cobble together a bunch of things. And like, there's a whole part in the middle where they're in the, like, the lush forest chasing the goblins with the she dwarves. And it's like, this looks like a TV show. It doesn't look like a movie anymore. Yeah. It's gone, like, the production value has gone downhill. And everything is kind of filmed very plainly. It didn't seem like they were trying to do anything other than... Create well, that, this film. Yeah, now they're going to find the mirror. This right. is what's going to happen now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah the, the whole time I was watching this, like, yeah, this is just... There's no actual idea here. Nobody wanted to tell this story. But I do agree with Regina somewhat in that this thing that comes out through this machine is yeah. not awful. And it yeah. has moments that are very entertaining. And, like, I don't regret giving this movie two hours of my time. Yeah, and I, I 100%, like, if Charlize and, for me, Emily Blunt were not in this movie. And, like, Chris Hemsworth, I find you delightful. But I would not have watched it. And no. also, like, I didn't see this in theaters. Like, I only saw right. this for podcast reasons. Right. Same. But I was, like, gonna do other stuff while I was watching it, and I didn't. I, like, I was like, oh, okay. no, I'm, I'm watching it. So, yeah, I was like, they made a few good choices, like, having Chris Hemsworth no longer be the narrator, like, getting Liam Neeson in to do Very narration. Very good choice. Too. Very good choice. It's somewhat nullified by Chris Hemsworth having more things to say in general. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but, so, uh, but it's like, yep, sure, get Liam Neeson, like, like you spend that money, like, make it work, make sure, for sure, yeah. make sure everyone gets paid. But I'm like, but I, I'm like, I need more than that to actually go and see it. I felt like there was so much more they could have pulled out if they had cut like the orcs bit or the goblin bit or like, you know, if they just like successfully got in the mirror quicker. So when Ravenna comes back, there's like this weird subtext where she starts basically ruling her sister's kingdom and her sister's like, why are you giving hey. the orders now? Yeah. yeah. I was like, that could have been delved into, but they yeah. condensed that really quickly. And then when Ravenna has her scorpion tail... She decides to kill other huntsmen before the one she really <laughs> wants to kill, which is Chris Hemsworth. But she's like, I'm going to get everybody around you and I'll get back to you. Plot reasons. <laughs> but also later, she does skewer him and lift him up. But he's fine at yeah. the end. At the end, Eric and Sarah both, they like wander. They've like got one hand on their wounds yeah. from Charlize's uh, oil tentacles. But they're fine. Because yeah. love heals puncture wounds. Yes. But I felt like there was like more stuff that could have happened there. And I think like seeing the Ice Queen like realize that even though she's outlawed love, that that was not a successful, although simple uh, legal system. She like loves the huntsman as her children and like those relationships. I was kind of like, that could have been an interesting mm. But they wasted movie. time on the, like, the adventure part of it that Correct. wasn't all that interesting. And they wasted right. time being like, Jessica Chastain is not going to be convinced by a very sound and reasonable argument quickly. Well, I mean, in fairness, the Ice Queen superpowers are she can 3D print ice. Yes. It is not explained that she can also, oh, make that ice into a television that can show that you That shows lies. Yeah. Right. True. So, like, well, that, that's kind of a complicated power, like, previously unheard of and never revisited. Like, she also, never does that again. The other thing Jessica Chastain says at some point, like, they do eventually bone, and that's, like, before uh, oh, that's right. we know that the, that she's actually working for Freya yeah. all along. And so the magic boning fixes her, and she still loves Chris Hemsworth. But it's basically implied that she's had to do, like, particularly treacherous and, like, messed up missions. Oh, because yeah. Freya is on, like, a conquering warpath. Like, she's killing all of the neighboring kingdoms. And so, like, Jessica Chastain has, like, murdered a bunch of people we presume in a gruesome way. Yep. And she says to Chris Hemsworth at some point, and I was like, this is actually a better argument than you left me, so I'll never love you. But she's like, I'm not the person I was seven years ago. Right. Like, you know, I had to do all these horrific things. Maybe I am not who you think I am. Yeah. And I'm like, that could have been a plot. I mean, I've definitely seen that movie before. Yeah. yeah. All right. So with the whole love conquers all weirdness and Freya's one rule for her kingdom... <laughs> 
My Keanu answer is that I think Keanu should have been Jessica Chastain. I think that she should have only taken boy child soldiers Mm -hmm. with the idea, like the very heteronormative idea of, well, no love in my kingdom, so only men. And then guess what? Heteronormativity doesn't Uh... work. Love (laughs) conquers all. And Chris Hemsworth falls in love with Keanu. And they have their illicit gay affair, which, like, guys, pretty much always makes a movie better. Yeah. So... I would also preserve the story from the last one about how his wife died. What are you saying? So, I mean, like, that could have happened in the seven-year gap that this movie glosses over. Oh! See, I'm thinking that in the meantime, he's like, we're in vague medieval times. I'm just going to say it was my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Just Just to make this conversation go easily. Yep. Keanu was my wife. Yeah. But your way also works. I was going to say that at first for similar reasons, because I was like, hey, the first movie was a parable for polyamory, we think. So why can't (laughs) this movie have a not heterosexual uh, romance? Yeah, that would give it a theme. But I, A, you took it, so I'm not going to do that. But B, (laughs) I I would like for Keanu to replace Emily Blunt and be the ice brother, because I think it would be interesting to have a male character driven by the death of his child as a thing that he can never recover from, because I think we see women never recover from children death all the time. Mm -hmm. And we see see, it with men too. We see, we see taken with men. I feel like we see men like going on like a rampage or being motivated, but we don't just see them. I mean, which I guess, and maybe that's what she's doing, but I think Keanu as, as Elsa would be delightful. I agree. (laughs) I'd love to see him with crazy, goofy white hair. And also because they've made all these beautiful, amazing costumes for Charlize and Emily Blunt, and I want to see the dude versions of Love them. It. So, like, get some breeches on him. Have a great suit. Yeah. Oh, my God. It'll be so good. I keep casting Keanu as, as women over and over <laughs> again. But I would like him range. to play Freya. And then she would have had two brothers and no sisters. Yeah. But we would only just, you know, acknowledge the good brother. Poor, poor brother, poor page boy brother. Yeah. <laughs> if one, she, her other brother's an ice queen. Only one brother at a time, please. Yeah. She so, Bob, which, power. Bob, which woman do you think he understands? <laughs> so, uh, I'm not going to replace him with a woman. I'm going to replace him as secondary new dwarf character. Ah, very good. Because I think it's funny when he does a British accent, and the accents in this are already so bad. That's true. This is a good um, movie for him to do that. Yeah, so he would replace Rob Brydon, who is actually a, an impersonator and incredibly good at different accent really yes and they don't use him for that purpose in this so huh. it's strange that he's cast as that but he's character. british yeah he's welsh so uh, yes yes so okay i actually really did like the two new dwarf characters the women the women were great right yeah. I, the new boy dwarf character whatever yeah I, he's completely indistinguishable from all the other dwarves right. in the other movie i can't believe they couldn't get a single one of them right toby jones was too busy right but, but the the new dwarf characters were really actually genuinely comic relief. Yes. Which stunned me because it oh, seems yeah. so shoehorned in to have Nick Frost there. Yep. And then I was like, oh, wow, okay, these these characters actually are adding something to this movie. Yep. Would this movie be improved by a prison riot? I think this movie would be improved by almost anything being <laughs> added to it. It's uh, very, very, very bland. Like, I feel like the bar fight, why not have a prison riot instead? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's room for it, unlike in the other one where we're like, what do we have to cut to make this movie less unbearably long? This right. movie has room for a prison riot. Mm-hmm. There's no Ebert or Mebert, All right. because he he was no longer with us, but we do still have to rank it. So where are you all putting it? I can start if you want. Okay. So as much as I didn't dislike this movie, but I don't really have anything super 
stronger recommendation. Right. Like, I don't recommend it. No. So I ended up putting it third to last, just above Legend of Bagger Vance, which is a movie that I strongly disliked. So there's a sizable <laughs> gap there. Yep. But it's just below Eon Flux. I sort of went back and forth between mm -hmm. this and Eon Flux. And I just found that I have a little bit more affection for Eon Flux. So it just edges it out. So this is uh, currently my number nine of 11. Wow. So for me, I, I think I may have put it in exactly the same ranking as you. Um, this is just below Eon Flux, whereas the previous one was just above Eon Flux for Charlesiness. This one goes just below for sheer blandness. Yes. So it's put just below it and just above Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest. It is one notch above that. So, Regina, you like this more than us. Where is it in your ranking? So, for me, this is going to be my new number three. Ooh. Holy crap. Which puts it below Fate of the Furious and slightly above Eon Flux. I think part of the reason that this is higher up for me than Snow White is I found the first time I watched Snow White, I remember like actively disliking the movie, except for Charlize. And the mm. second time I was just like, I'm bored, I'm bored, whatever. But I feel like the first movie has things, more things that I find objectionable. Like I feel like the moral of the story and the weird emphasis on like Charlize and beauty and youth as like mm. the only thing of value and that like one scar will make you useless as a person. I was like, well, it's kind of a fucked up thing to say. So I found that movie more actively irritating. And even though that movie has way more Charlize in it, and it has more iconic Charlize moments in it, this, I think, as a movie overall, because it doesn't actively piss me off, and because I do enjoy Emily Blunt, there's more costumes in it, it's gonna it's gonna be number three. And it's slightly edged out Eon Flux because, probably because I've seen it more recently, and because I think... <laughs> Fair enough. I also yeah. think that Eon Flux is Charlize before she's in full bloom, and this movie, even though she is in it way less than she is in Eon Flux, like, this is Charlize at peak Charlize dumb for me. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like, in terms of, like, she's just... There's no stopping her. I mean, it, even if we weren't doing a podcast about Charlize, for the world at large, Charlize is the only reason to go and see this movie. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, it just seemed, and another reason I'm giving it more points, it seemed like she had fun with Jessica Chastain and Emily Blunt. Like, they seemed to be, like, palling around in, yeah. like, the press bits. And the two of them, when they do scenes together, I'm just sort of like, I'm glad she wasn't just acting with a green bubble all the yeah. time in this. Like, she yeah. had more more to do. And I think maybe the reason that you will do this for me, Huntsman Line, is so memorable. Is I'm kind of like, that feels like the, one of the only times she's actively talking to a human being in the first movie. All right, well, guys, so that has been the conclusion of our double two-week episode examining Snow White and the Huntsman and the Huntsman Winter's War. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Thank you, Alex Reed. Uh, our theme music, guys. I know it's more than ten episodes in, but it's still catchy as hell. Oh, it's oh, never going to stop it's being so catchy. Good. It's so good. Can we ever top that? Can Keanu Review ever possibly have his theme song? I don't know. I that? hope that Alex is working on that theme now. <laughs> <laughs> if we've learned anything today, sequels are never as good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, Keanu's career started before Charlize's, so really it's going to be a prequel sequel. This is true. Yay! Yeah. Okay. It all comes full circle, and most of all, thank, thank you, Charlize. shows up and he's like Eric 
the magic mirror is making Snow White sick. So we're sending it to Sanctuary, which is the fairy kingdom from the first movie. But the people who we sent away with... (laughs) That's what happens to them. Yes. (laughs) 